Welcome to the Hidden Why Podcast, episode 982. My interview with Mary and Ali, the founding members of the Brain Ops Group. I hope you enjoy. G'day, Ali and Mary. Welcome to the Hidden Why Podcast. Great to have you here today. Thank Where are you in different locations? We're in the state of Ohio in the US. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's about eight o'clock. You uh, just said there, Ali, tonight. Yes. Yeah. Have you both Have you both had a nice hearty meal? I guess it's warming up yeah. there a bit at the moment. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. We're on to spring foods now for dinner. <laughs> spring foods. What are spring foods? Oh, the grill. Mostly the grill. You know, grilled everything, chicken, vegetables, all those things. Yeah, nice, nice. nice. Mm-hmm. Well, look, welcome to the show. It's great to have you both here. We don't often do this on the Hidden White podcast where we've got three people going at once, um, but I reckon that's going to add even extra value for our audience out there. So hopefully we can share some gold today. Um, now, look, nice. you both are the founding uh, partners of the Brain Ops Group. Tell us, uh, maybe one of you, just tell us what is the Brain Ops Group, uh, how did it form, and what is your mission? Sure, I'll start. So this is Mary Rensel. I'm a brain doc, a neuroimmunologist, and a coach. And I was giving a lecture to professional women, um, and I wasn't sure if anyone would come to the lecture because I just thought, you know, there's so many great, uh, you know, lectures at those professional meetings. And then everyone came. They had all these questions about how they can, you know, help their brain and optimize their brain. And and I thought, well, I know the science. That's what I love. I love reading the research and the science behind brain health and brain um uh, optimization and function. And then I was like, Oh, I need to partner with a coach, you know, and, and help, you know, humans get this into their life. And so then I, uh, I partnered with Ali Hively. So we created brain ops group. So you're a neurologist. I am. Is mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that the right word? It is. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. That, um, whenever I hear that word, I just go, wow, that's pretty crazy. Um, kill kill. And Ali, what about yourself? What's your background? Yeah. So, um, I'm a life coach, lifestyle coach. I focus on helping people build habits, um, specifically just focus on their lifestyle. So just like your audience is always working toward, I feel like those personal development, sleep, nutrition, movement, mindset, all those things that go together. And so Mary and I really have partnered because with all of her research, people are always wondering like what, you know, what matters most and what does the science say? And then at the same time, they're like, well, how do I fit this in my life? And so we're really huge on helping people to Mm. implement. Exactly. Yep. So it's really about self-improvement. Self-improvement, building resiliency, especially after this past year with COVID, everyone's looking for new strategies for their current lifestyle, which may have, which was definitely different than the past year. And you know, different than the year before that. So um, really helping to just kind of narrow it down to what matters when it comes to productivity and focus and what you can do for actually the organ in your brain to help you improve that. And then how do you implement that in your busy life? You know? Yeah. What's, what's this word resilience? I mean, what, tell me, give me a definition there from your standpoint. Yeah. Go ahead, Mayor. Yeah. So, yeah, so definitely. So resilience means, you know, uh, getting over hurdles, around hurdles, um, recovering from a stress or a challenge. Um, And the nice thing about it is that it's a learned skill, you know, rather than a character trait or a personality that's more fixed and can be maybe adjusted some, but resiliency is learned. And we've all learned so much of this year with the global pandemic. Um, But, you know, I think what I always like to talk about is that there are ways that we can support the brain. Number one, learn about it, get some brain wonder, wonder how it works a little bit, wonder Mm. what you could do each day to help it, wonder, you know, what you should do today for your tomorrows. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, so that's like the that. important thing is just mm. not leave it to chance. You know, we don't want to just leave it to chance. Do you think resilience is, is more a skill than rather than an attribute? Yes. Yeah, it's learned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can learn it. We can polish it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. How do we go about learning resilience? Yeah, so I think first understanding your organ that that makes you resilient, which is uh, which is the brain, of course, you know, so that there's there's personality traits in there on how we may approach things. But, you know, they say even confidence um, to approach something new or to, you know, practice resiliency is only about maybe 25 to 50 percent determined by your genes or your personality and your, um, you know, your family's maybe approach to things. And so there's it leaves a lot of room for, like you said, self-improvement to learn these daily skills so that you can move forward and jump over hurdles or just be ready because one, you know, really the only constant we have in our life is that things will change yeah. and we just need to be able to handle that in a, in a healthy, safe, effective way, you know, for ourselves and our families and our communities. And uh, COVID sure has taught us that, you know, that we need to have some tools. So to resilience try. is like really an ability to get back up again after we get knocked down right. sort of thing. Is that it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. Go around challenge over, you know, to keep going, you know, in the face of a challenge to keep going. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is, um, yeah, certainly something, I guess, that a lot of people have faced recently with the pandemic, but saying that's not uncommon with change. I mean, change is, like you said, I like that. It's the, it's the only constant thing that we know. So resilience mm-hmm. is a big part of all that. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is the best way to practice, you know, or build this resilience skill or muscle, just by going out there and trying new things and falling over. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's one way, right? We've, we've actually created a framework that we really like to teach in our workshops and, you know, with, with people. And we are from Cleveland, Ohio, so it follows the CLE, which we see all around our city. Um, and What's the CLE? Really Cleveland, it. Ohio. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cleveland, Ohio, or CLE yeah. for Cleveland. Yep, exactly. So CLE is our framework. And it really has to do with connection, lifestyle habits, and emotional processing. So really being active, Mary's research um, shows that being active in all three of those spheres on a regular basis, um, a daily, a weekly basis, is really the way to build brain resiliency and optimization, especially when it comes to improving like focus and productivity, which people are always looking for strategies right now to do that. Okay, so just talk to us again about CLE. C is for connection, L is for mm-hmm. lifestyle. Lifestyle habits, yep. And E is for emotional processing. Emotional processing. So what we need to do is try and activate these centers every day in practice. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that'll help yeah, build exactly. up resilience. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we can exactly and mm. and go ahead and marry about explaining the all three parts are needed. Yeah, so right. So if we have a multi-system resiliency plan, not just one thing, because typically if you think of those as three spheres, you know, you have the connection, you have the lifestyle, you have emotional processing. Mm. Sometimes you have a place you are very comfortable in. Maybe you're really good at, you know, keeping up with your friends or, you know, getting to know your neighbors or serving in your community. So you're very well connected. Yeah. Yeah, but maybe the other ones you're not so keen on that you don't really want to eat healthy or sleep well or... Um, you know, or even think about any emotions, you're just going to keep going strong and going fast, you know, Mm. so that there's generally when you think of those three spheres, most people have their kind of happy place, the place that's easier for them. And, um, you know, there's, you must be active in all three spheres for the brain to be optimal. Um, And we've learned that, like we've, we've all seen people, some people do really well through COVID. You're like, well, what do they do uh, with the strains and stresses and the challenges and the changes and, 
you know, day-to-day changes in the family and work and school. Um, and we've seen some people really have such a hard time. And if you if you have those skills in all those areas, the brain is, you know, potentially wired differently, potentially more efficient in certain areas. Um, so the brain will be ready for change and ready to, you know, come mm. up with good ideas. The more relaxed and calm we are, the more the front part of our brain kind of turns on and can be more creative we can have more higher level thinking, but if we stay in the fear, like we can't handle these changes, we can't do it, um, that kind of shuts down and that's more of our emergency zone, our emergency uh, state. And so then that is not our creative state. So in order to have optimal brain function, you have to know kind of how to manipulate your neural state, you know, from more to a more relaxed state, from a stressed, worried state, um, so that your brain can kind of turn on and be creative. And then in order to support the organ that it is, um, the lifestyle really matters. And emotional processing is really just imperative for a healthy living. So we know folks who, you know, have certain mood disorders, et cetera, maybe because of their genes, but there are some folks that can um, either use emotional processing to enhance their living, even though they're living with a mood disorder or to try to avoid mood disorders by emotional mm-hmm. processing, which is sometimes a really scary thing for people to approach when they, they're not really sure what that is. Okay. So before we unpack each one of these, uh, what you're saying is that these will help us sort of be more calm and relaxed so the front part of the brain gets activated and that's the part of the brain that helps us um, with creativity and and what else does that do with the front part of the brain? And it's like our executive level thinking. So it's the thing that will help us like take in data points and assess things and see certain patterns and be able to, yeah, be more And that'll help us deal with the change then more more easily. Exactly right, exactly. And therefore be more resilient. Okay. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about these these uh, individual parts or spheres, connection. Uh, again, explain to me that that is. I'm guessing it's it's about you know connecting with others. Right. So you know we we hear about our social network, or you know if you're new and and a job, they say hey get to know people or build yeah. your network. You go to networking events. You you know that's important for work. Not that people don't think it's that fun, but you know when you think about you know who do you know in your community? Do you volunteer? Do you keep people around you that have healthy behaviors. Um, if so, that those are your resources to live life, right? The people that are around us or you have access to. So the, your social group, um, even your work group, you know, determines mm. how well you do in the job and it determines how well you do um, in life, like what resources you have. So your social mm. network is your social net worth, they say, right? So um, if you're more of an introvert, that's fine. You know, absolutely, there's different um, patterns to this, but even studies have shown even if you volunteer in your community, um, you know, people have longer lives, you know, they live more healthily because they're more involved, they get to know people. Um, so your social connections really should be a priority. And, you know, a lot of times people move away or, you know, it's someone from, you know, um, or you move, you take a new job and you have to set up a whole new network. Well, it's good to be intentional about that. And if you find, I don't really have anyone in my network anymore that exercises or that cares about what they eat or um, talks about any kind of healthy nutrition or a healthy lifestyle, you know, you want to bring those people into your inner circle um, and be very intentional about replacing people if somebody moves or what have you, because that is determining, you know, your outcomes, you know, how well you'll do Hmm. is who you have around you. Mm -hmm. So making sure the connections that we have are healthy connections. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, with those connections, question I have is that, you know, if I'm a community person, I just go out there and I do community events or whatever, and that's my, you know, connection sphere. Right. Is is there a need to change that up as well? Can you become complacent in those, you know, circles? 
Yeah, it's good to kind of think about it and assess it. I mean, that's one of how Allie has helped me as well to explain the science to folks is, is, you know, to have folks, you know, kind of assess where they are. There's no right or wrong, but sometimes you know that I'm much more comfortable in this sphere than the other sphere. If I'm much more, you know, outgoing, appreciate being around people, but I don't want to talk about emotions or I'm really good at emotions. I don't want to talk to people, you know. So, you know, it's it's good to assess where you are and then learn a few new skills if necessary to, um, you know, to keep going and to build your skills. But sometimes, you know, half the battle is saying, you know, I'm in a good place. I'm really good at this. I, I'm doing a good thing. I now I know this really matters uh, for my creativity and my thinking and, and um, you know, how I feel and, and my energy levels and so and my work productivity. So, uh, you know, good job. You know, pat yourself on the back if you're doing well on all these spheres. Um, that's great, too. Sometimes people have some opportunities in one or two of the spheres that they just need to be intentional about it. Okay. What is the science behind this this idea of connect, connection? Is it is it about the need for belonging? Yes, actually, yes. So community and feeling that you have a purpose. Um, that's super important to the human brain, that you want to lead your values. What's important to you leads you. Um, and so if you don't feel like you're serving or you're at one or congruous with your, your values, um, yeah, then you don't, you feel kind of like something's wrong. You're missing something in your life, you know? So that's where a lot of times if you're not sure you're doing the right thing, doing a little value assessment, like what is really important to me and do I live that? Is that in my schedule? You know, that I say that's important, but when I look at my schedule, I'm really doing other things. Hmm. Um, so that's where sometimes people just stop and like something's missing in my life. Um, that's where a good coach can usually like pull out, you know, oh, yeah, here's, here's a pattern I see you're, you're saying it's important, but I don't really see it in your, in your daily activities. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The, um, do you feel that this, this whole connection piece is, is a big part missing from, from a lot of our lives? Yeah. With yeah, technology it's, it's and that? Very different. Yeah. And I think everyone has kind of put it, well, a lot of folks have, have said, you know, they've, um, you know, that now they see the importance of it, even just, you know, in the workplace saying hi to someone in the hallway, you know, you realize the, the value of seeing other humans and that the brain really likes to connect in a deep way with other humans and that we pull our emotions from other people, even though we do it subconsciously. So it's, it's important to be around other humans and that's been mm. obviously very hard. Um, because Zoom is only so good, you know, in in pulling and feeling all the all the feelings yeah. and the emotions from others. It's got its place, but um, is is there science behind this, or studies that have been done that show that this whole social connection piece is is not as effective um, digitally? Or? Yeah, I have. Yeah, I finally there was a study that really helped me understand because I I feel so tired when we, as a neurologist generally we're always with people or seeing people in the clinic or in the office or the hospital, mm. and when we went on the computer, I said, why is this tiring? You know, and so then there was a study that suggested that the brain is like scanning the screen to try to connect, and it's it's actually trying to um, oh. it's taking it more work, you know, to try to connect over Zoom because they they can't get all the cues, the brain can't get all the cues it can do when it's in person. Um, so it's working very hard to try to connect with all the brains that's seeing on Zoom. So I thought that was an interesting concept mm. in the study. That's cool. I like it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, connection piece um, makes a lot of sense. What can we do to connect more? Yeah, I think yeah. being intentional. What do you think, Al? Yeah, absolutely. I think checking things over, like you said, if you know you already checked that box, then giving yourself a pat on the back and not necessarily feeling the need to add to your plate. Um, but if you don't feel that connection or like oftentimes right now, people are like, oh yeah, I'm pretty connected. And maybe they're speaking a little bit more toward the past. Like they were going out with friends mm. regularly, going to a book club, doing something with the neighbors. And that's kind of, um, you know, fallen away over the past year because of 
all the things that have changed. And so really connecting with their awareness of what's happening right now, not like what they were doing and what they are going to do, but like what's actually happening right now. And so that's the first thing is being really clear on that. And then I guess it's a hard one for people to go, well, what's what's a fair level of connection? Because what's what's a good level for me may not be good for that, you know, extrovert that just needs people around them all the time. Like my daughter, my eldest daughter, she just always needs that that focus and people and always wants to go play. And the other one's quite calm being by herself, you know. Mm -hmm. Right. And really checking in with yourself. What do you need? But also noticing, like, if you don't need anyone, um, your brain needs people, you know. So I feel like there's probably that that middle ground and and recognizing Mm. the type of connections too so the awareness on like who are you spending your time with are they a positive influence from a health habit perspective and a positive mindset and an optimistic perspective or are they people that you know you're in close proximity with but they actually leave you kind of feeling drained at the end of of spending time with them and then shifting Mm. those connections to be quality um quality connections that have a positive impact yeah, I mean, it's there's sort of a measure that you could take on yourself based on, you know, your your mood or your your level of happiness or something. I wonder. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think the strong introverts know. Yeah, a lot of the strong introverts know they get more rested and or or you know they get more um, drained when they're around a lot of people and they're mm. more energized when they're by themselves. Um, and, and the extroverts get really energized. Like it sounds like your daughter, you know, when they're around other people. So a lot of times you can see where you get your energy from. Yeah. That's what true. you need personally. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about L for lifestyle. Mm-hmm. What are we talking about here? Mm-hmm. Allie, this is probably ahead. a big, big yeah, important. This is a loaded, <laughs> this is a loaded one, right? So mm. this covers exercise, nutrition, sleep, and then those toxins like alcohol and tobacco. So, um, really the, the research that Mary is, Mary's research shows is that exercise is hugely important for the brain and she can talk about the science of that. And so it's the same thing. How can you get that into your day and really recognizing where you are um, doing that right now and what that's looking like, not like, you know, again, what you used to do or what you're going to do. um, But what kind of what kind of exercise are you making happen on a regular basis, on a weekly basis, on a daily basis? And how are you making that as enjoyable as possible so that it, it gets done, right? It happens. Mm, that's um, a, that's a then, challenge, isn't it? Making it enjoyable. Exactly. <laughs> and there's a million ways to move your body. And there's a, there's one thing that COVID, um, I think that just the world in general is like, we can access now everything, you know, from online. So, from a dance class to a boxing class to a, you know, whatever, they're accessible. Exercise is very accessible online. Not, it's not necessarily mm. the ideal choice. The ideal could be getting out in nature or getting out in nature with a friend, which would actually be like optimal, right? You're connecting and you're moving your body. Yeah. But at the same time, um, there's so many ways that we can be active right now yeah. that we have to just find something that we like. And then, right, that's a whole that's a whole section. Then nutrition is another one. So how are we feeding ourselves, eating whole foods, um, healthy fats that are so important to the brain? And what are we doing on a on a regular daily basis? What are we consistently doing? Not what are we doing once in a while, but um, but what does that look like to give ourselves the proper energy? And then sleep, which is hugely important to the brain and to processing emotions and being able to handle stress and actually you know, washing away those toxins. Mary can dive into a little bit more about that, but really prioritizing our sleep and recognizing how important it is to 
our ability, our ability to handle change and our ability to be productive and resilient mm. on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I certainly know the effects of, of lack of sleep and towards the end of the week, I'm a little bit more vulnerable, I feel. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. absolutely. What's the, um, so exercise, sleep and, and reducing or having li- limited toxins, I suppose. When we talk about toxins, I often you know, just say it's not just what you consume whether that's alcohol or, you know, too much sugar or something like that, but maybe the, uh, the mental uh, con- consumption as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. It's, what, it's the environment you bring your brain to and that's, you know, what you're watching or what you're listening to or, yeah, exactly, right? So it's all, it's the environment, you know, exactly the water, the air, the, you know, everything. And, and mentally, it is interesting, you know, even something as simple as a good night's sleep, like you said, you know, you can tell by the end of the week you're, already have symptoms, emotional symptoms. And that's been clearly shown that, you know, a good night's sleep helps our uh, cognitive abilities or our ability to think and create again, yeah. maybe enhanced by a good night's sleep. And so, so can our emotional processing. So, you know, if our, if you notice in the meetings, you're flying off the handle or what have you, um, you got to think back, like, how did I sleep? What did I do to make sure I had a good night's sleep? Did I prioritize it? You know, did you watch those Netflix or what have you all night? You know, those kind of things. And so there are things we can do each day to just do what the brain needs, which is, um, you know, good night's sleep is definitely should be on the list. Yeah. Well, exercise, mm-hmm. very favorable, good night's sleep. And then, yeah, watching the, the consumptions. The right. um, the sleep, uh, talk to me about sleep and the science behind the, the brain functions. Is there an optimal amount of sleep that we should be taking or does it vary? Yeah, Cause... most yeah, so there are some people that need um, less than seven to nine, but most pe- most adults need a good seven to nine, mostly seven to eight. Hmm. Um, there's a rare rare person that could do very well long term on on six hours, but that's pretty rare. Yeah. Um, so right, so there's our sleep cycle is a whole twenty four hour cycle. So one thing you can do is as soon as you wake up, try to get bright. If it could be natural light in the morning in your eyes, so that you mark you mark your cycle, the twenty four hour cycle, to tell your brain like this is morning I'm, i want to be tired and you need so that you're tired in 12 hours so it's easier to go to bed so natural light really matters and what we're seeing with covid is a lot of people are kind of working in corners or basements or what have you as they get up and just go to their home office or what have you so they you know they're not really getting a lot of natural light um and so we, we just want to make sure that everyone knows that that's really important that it's not what you do the 10 minutes before bed it's what you do all day long hmm. that will determine your sleep the um I, I feel sort of you know six hours is um what I sleep generally mm-hmm. I don't believe it's enough for me but that's just what I do it seems like it's auto um, right. is there any recommendations you have for people to help them sleep yeah so right so definitely get the light in the morning mm. and um, throughout the day some activity some physical activity is really helpful um, and then again the stress whatever you can do for stress management because that'll calm down the chemicals that, that yeah. will just enhance our normal sleep um, so stress management is really important and then a healthy diet and not a lot of sugar before bed because sugar is almost like a stimulant to the brain it'll wake it up because um, the brain naturally will just will start to go and release some neurochemicals um, mm. that will enhance sleep like our own melatonin like we we naturally release melatonin before bed um, I know a lot of people go to the store and get it, but our brain is already releasing it to try to you know, yeah. start the system. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So we, right. So what you do all day long matters and what you do the hour before bed matters so that if you know, you're on screen, the evening routines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just really prioritize routines and, and winding down and not going from like a really scary movie, right? Jumping into bed, you know, you want to kind of give your brain some time to wind down and relax 
And when you start getting cold, yeah. it's your body telling you it's it's getting tired. The you, you physiologically, you know, have a change in the body when it's starting to go through the beginning pre-stage cycles. So a lot of people will just kind of ignore it and keep going, but that's that's your body saying like this is my this is when I want to go to bed. You know, that's when the body wants to go to bed. Mm. Yeah, and then you know, sleep in a dark room, a cool room helps. Um, yeah, alcohol isn't good. You know, a couple hours before bed. Um, because it stuns the nerves and then the nerves kind of wake up in the middle of the night. So people who drink, you know, right before bed or an hour or two before bed will wake up at two or three in the morning. Yes. Because the body mm. didn't naturally put itself to sleep. It just yeah. got kind of stunned by the alcohol. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The, um, yeah. I mean, I generally don't, you know, during the week I won't have any alcohol. I try to yeah. anyway. Um, and I have no problem going to sleep, but I just, you know, my brain activates, you know, sure. quite early mm-hmm. at about four o'clock and, you know, I might be just light sleep until five and then I'm out, out and active. But, um, yeah, it's interesting, but I think it all sort of connects. You know, all these parts that you're talking about today connect with one another, don't they? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's important. And isn't the goal behind this, like the lifestyle and the connection piece, like you said before, you know, if you can exercise with people, how good mm-hmm. is that? And, like, you think about food and how food is such a big part of our culture and how it used to be a big part of our culture and, probably not as much like most people just get their microwave meals and then go sit in front of a computer and you know eat their microwave meals in solitude but it really should be you know let's have a feast let's get creative together let's cook food and talk Mm -hmm. and you know i think um, Mm -hmm. imagine if we could bring that back to that scale right absolutely Absolutely. bringing the connection into all the piece Mm -hmm. right slowing down Mm -hmm. the uh, emotional part now talk to us about that what's well, so, you know, we tend to say like you have such a big heart or that the emotions come from the heart and, you know, they don't, they come from the brain and, um, you know, healthy emotional processing um, is really important for just vital, it's vital for living really, mm. you know, so if we don't know what to do with our emotions, they seem to get bigger and cause more troubles. And so it's, there could be simple things that are very helpful, just as simple as, you know, writing down three emotions three times a day for a week, just to kind of see how is your week and, and what's your pattern throughout the week. And just learning to name emotions without any kind of plan to do anything about them. We really don't have to change our emotions. We just need to acknowledge that they're there and sometimes give them a name. You know, the the kids have a cute little chart with all these different, like, happy, sad faces on it and all the ranges in between. I think, you know, even as adults, sometimes we need those. Because, like, I don't know, I feel something. I'm not sure what I feel. And a lot of times our first response is to try to get rid of that feeling and if we just kind of sit and breathe, take some deep breaths, it will adjust our neural our neural state. So it'll it'll even adjust our emotional state. So some simple ways to adjust our emotional state is you know take deep breaths because it relaxes us more. Um, move, you know, go for a walk if you're really feeling something and it's just mm. uncomfortable and you don't know what to do. You know, just some movement, you know, a little dance or a walk or something. Um, you know, just the movement will change the neural state, uh, which is nice. Um, and then furry pets help, you know, so uh, dogs and cats and what have you, um, they will turn on certain emotions in our brain and we'll, we'll sense their emotions and we'll feel different emotions because of that. So there's ways to kind of manipulate emotions, but, um, the worst thing is just to not know uh, what to do with them. Um, because they do come out, they tend to come out sometimes either as symptoms or as unexpected outbursts, et cetera, just because they weren't really processed throughout the day. Mm. Mm-hmm. Do you f- yeah, I'm just sort of thinking about, you know, the, the lack of connection and a poor lifestyle and how much that must affect this this whole emotion center that we have. Oh, 100%, right? Yes. So because mm-hmm. we know sugar can change 
you know, even, you know, the organ we have in our brain, a little, a little part of the brain called the amygdala, which is our kind of mm. anxiety. It's always scanning. It's, it's protecting us. It, it has to deal with many emotions, including anger. And, and it physically looks different when people have um, more healthy meals um, and even just people going through therapy, you know, if they need, you know, psychological therapy or something, their amygdala can yeah. look different after therapy. It can structurally change. So, yeah, there's a lot of, we can do. And if we need to get professional help, you know, absolutely do it because it's it's really an important skill. It's, and it can be learned again. Mm-hmm. The, so you talked about sort of meditation maybe and, and calming mm-hmm. the mind um, to help with that, the, the emotions and, and the, the processing of them. Um, mm-hmm. Is there any particular p- practices that you prescribe to yourselves or well Absolutely. the nice thing yeah what do you think Al? which one do you use yeah i mean i think there's um all of them are good like you just mentioned journaling and um, meditating for sure and then just the act of building that habit of noticing the feelings can be exactly what what you need but i would say um starting small with those is the biggest mm. thing and really recognizing what feels good to you and what feels comfortable and knowing that like the at the beginning of starting, especially one of these habits, well, I guess all habits, right? Exercise is the same way. It's not necessarily going to be comfortable and you have to kind of sit through that discomfort, whether it's a five minute meditation or kind of like your pen to the paper in the journal and you're like, not sure what to do here. I'm not sure what to write and just kind of get through that discomfort until you Mm. can move through it and recognize like, okay, there's, you know, just imperfect action starting small is going to be the best way. Um, Definitely, I'm a huge journaler and meditator, and Mary is the same. We always encourage people to schedule them, especially when they're starting that habit. So just putting it on their calendar to meditate for five minutes, putting it in your phone to remind you to ding, um, to just kind of take a pause or to journal can be some of those best ways to to kickstart this habit when you're like, ooh, I know I should start feeling my feelings more, and I don't know how to really connect with myself right now, you know? Hmm. How do you journal, Elle? Like, what, what's what, your process of journaling? Like, Journaling? Hmm. Yes. Oh, I'm a big journaler. Um, so I can write and write and write, but I always encourage clients and people getting started to use lists to get started. Oftentimes, I'll, you know, starting with the list of gratitude is one of the easiest ways because you just yeah. get your, your mind flowing and your list started. And then a list of things that you want to feel more of. So really identifying those positive feelings you want to feel more of. And then at the same time, things you want to release or let go of or feelings that you, you know, have felt in the past 24 hours or day or week that you no longer want to kind of carry with you. So maybe that's frustration, disappointment, anger, whatever's kind of coming up. But um, really starting in a list format can get your mind to to just let it flow because oftentimes people are judging themselves when it's just them in their journal and they feel like if they're putting their thoughts to paper that it it can be scary at, at the beginning and so just kind of getting through that beginning part that you don't need to save your journals if you're just writing it out you can write it out rip it up throw it away you can write it on a scrap piece of paper it doesn't have to be something that you then like go back and look at you just want to use it as a tool to process whatever you're feeling and get it out of your brain get it out of your head get it out of your body and then, yeah. um, and then kind of leave it there, you know? Hmm. Do you, do you have a particular time of day when you journal? Do you do it every day or how does it look for you? Yeah, for me, I do do it every day and I do it in the morning. I'm an early riser too, just like, just like you. And so I love that 
cup of coffee quiet time to really set the intentions for the day and even just like intentions for the week, the year, the, my life, um, getting clear on how I want to feel. It's a great like vi- I love to do it as like a vision activity to just kind of lay that out. Um, but oftentimes I use it to just work through specific things that are going on too. just like, OK, I'm going to let go of this that was bothering me yesterday and this that's been hanging over my head. And I just write write it all out in the early morning and then throughout the day I feel so much lighter I do know a lot of people that like to do it at bedtime especially if they have trouble sleeping because then they can kind of dump all their thoughts out Hmm. and then go to sleep with like a calmer mind knowing Hmm. that they've cleared that out so I think yeah I think you got to adapt it to your to your own style I mean I I certainly I feel in the morning I like sort of a bit more philosophic and that night I'm probably a bit more just reflecting and um, letting things out but um I think you have to keep going until you find that rhythm and that comfort of writing and, and then you'll find the the joy of doing it as well. Um, exactly. Mary, Mary, with yourself, have you got a particular practice that you that you prescribe to other than journaling that um, you think might be beneficial for the audience? Yeah, I think um, I tend to look at my week on Sundays and, and see where I can sneak in, you know, 10, 15 minutes of either journaling or weightlifting um, I like to go running or, or walking outside in the morning before work mm. um, a couple at least a couple days a week because I, I love connecting with nature before I'm in the office all day. Um, that really helps me or now we're having nicer weather so I can I can be out in the evenings too but um, yeah so I yeah and for me I purposefully you know put some calls in with friends or family um, throughout my week either you know driving home or something and just be intentional about that about connecting mm. with folks Um and I put it, I didn't used to put myself in my calendar, but I learned that from Allie. So I do put myself <laughs> in my calendar now. And I, so I don't, I just like, oh yeah, it's easy. You know, so this day I'm just going to lift weights 20 minutes and next day I'll um, journal or I'll meditate. And I, I did start meditating regularly during this COVID time. Everything slowed down and I certainly felt the value of it. Absolutely. I, and I, and I love just finding good ones on YouTube. They're so accessible. Um, you know, just some, some great ones on YouTube that I, I can, go float on the cloud for a while and then my days are just better you know I just I, it's mm. not that I feel amazing right after I do it but I do notice if I if I miss some days uh, my days are not as smooth and I just don't feel as solid during the day throughout the day that's the critical if, point isn't if it I if I you don't do it yeah. you just you do notice the difference whereas I notice right yeah. exactly so then that's it makes so it worth it to me then I then I go mm. oh, that's a that's more of a party because I do see the benefit of it yeah absolutely what are your thoughts um about having a, a process and a routine like do you think routines are are necessary for everyone to follow because i really feel routines for me are just gold i mean they just make mm-hmm. life better mm-hmm. but i also know that there must be some truth to having um a bit more of a sporadic schedule as well as far as you know resilience and change goes too mm-hmm. what are your thoughts right. on that mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i think there's power it's like you save your brain a lot of brain energy when you have a mm. schedule yeah, um, but I agree. I mean, there's there needs to be flexibility because unexpected things will come up. And some days I think, oh, shoot, you know, today was my journal day. I missed it. So I'll, I'll just do it the next day. You know, so it's not it's not that you can't keep, you know, pick up. And if you did miss something and, and but I, I agree. I mean, my my days are not exactly the same, but I do want to get so many days of lifting in each week and so many days of journaling and so many meditation mm. days. Um, so I have like a big picture of what I want to get in, but it, it may not look exactly the same each week. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's what I think is key for people too to kind of give them the permission. Like, when life is similar or 
some people are just naturally more driven to be able to follow their own expectations and their own routines where other people need more accountability to follow those. So mm. kind of checking in to see what makes a routine easy for you. Are you the type of person that can just kind of make a calendar and stick with it for yourself? Or do you need to, you know, rope in a little more of that accountability? And then also when it comes to trying to find the flow, then recognizing what the ha what the habit and the routine are, like what the intention of them are. So if the intention is exercise, then that's what it is. It's getting in movement in your body. It's not your 6.30 a.m. workout because if you miss that, then oftentimes that black and white mindset can kick in to say like, well, I missed it, so I missed it. Instead of thinking like I have the whole day, I can you know, potentially squeeze in this some other way. So recognizing that the habits can be the actions themselves, like the the act of journaling, not the time of day, but the actual act or the act of mm. exercise, but not necessarily the time of day. So I agree. Routines and habits, absolutely for me too. Like I know if I do it this time, it's going to happen. I don't have to think about it. But I do feel like um, in in a way to get some more flow back, recognizing like, oh, it doesn't have to be done at that exact same time. I just, I want to get it done today. So like, where can I be a little flexible, creative um, and allowing that? And that sometimes, sometimes that little bit of permission opens the door for people who have a hard time sticking to a specifically set routine. Yeah, no, I love it. Good stuff. I think um, the best place for people to reach you is it at the website brainopsgroup.com? Yeah, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And we love to connect with um, people on LinkedIn too and just LinkedIn. have conversations. And mm -hmm, absolutely. Yeah, look, I, I feel like what we've discussed today, a lot of it makes sense, but there's probably a lot more depth into each of these areas too. So. Uh, mm -hmm. A great place, guys, would be to go to that website. I'll stick a link in the show notes as well. Um, go there, check it out, and, um, yeah, see what you think. We can go from there. But, uh, yeah, yes. Mary and Ali, thank, thanks so much for coming on today. It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you well, thank so you. much for having us. Absolutely. We love we love your show and all that you do. Thank you. Yes. And, and stay well. Thanks. Guys, mm -hmm. listening, episode 982. You can check it out at thehiddenwide.com. Until next time, peace, pleasure. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwhy.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcast. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. 
Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there, breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose. And in doing so, you will discover your hidden why. This is The Hidden Why. My name is Lee Martin Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon.